Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. We've been trucking through the book of Acts for a while now. So if you do have a Bible, go ahead and, uh, and open up to chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, you'd like a Bible right now, uh, we do have a few up here. Um, does anybody want one? Yeah, okay. So Acts chapter 17. And what I want to talk about today is a, well, a super huge part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means to be a witness. <laughs> Can I get a witness? It's to be a witness. And what I want to say, to start off and hopefully end with too, is that we are witnesses. I'm a witness. You're a witness. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Today. You're a witness. You're a witness. We are called witnesses. Now, what does it mean to be a witness? To be a witness just means to say what you've seen. To be a witness means to say what you've seen. Stephanie is a lawyer. <laughs> you know about witnesses taking the stand, right? Talking about what they've seen. Yeah. So... Um, we are witnesses, right? No, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little tired, so that's probably coming off a little bit. Um, we are witnesses. Now, in Acts chapter 1, when we first started this series, uh, I'll never forget, because Nellie did such a good job. There you are. Um, you uh, talked about chapter 1, and you talked about that we find in chapter 1 basically the thesis statement for the entire book of Acts, okay? And... It's when Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, so what I want you to do is I want you to wait, and before you know it, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you will receive power. You will receive power to be my witnesses. And he goes on to say, this is going to be starting sort of in a local way, but eventually it's going to be a global thing, okay, to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit's going to come and empower his disciples to be a witness to Jesus Christ, to his death and to his resurrection. And so that's the starting point and really the ending point of the book of Acts, okay? So the rest of the book of Acts is really just simply the unfolding of that thesis statement. Make sense? Okay. So, I'm a Christian. I know that um, I should talk about Jesus because it's kind of important, <laughs> right? And so, um, years ago, I was in a band that kind of sounded like, you know, um, 
very aggressive and all that sort of thing. And we were on, we were doing a tour, and on the tour, we were touring with another band. And um, it was really great. The, the drummer of the other band and I, this guy was from New York. From New York. I can't, yeah. I, I do a terrible, I love the New York accent, but I can't really do it, so I'm not going to try. It'll just, yeah, be distracting. So, um, so this guy was from New York, and uh, we really just hit it off, um, you know, as drummers. And uh, it, part of the reason was because, this is a drumstick, um, we both, like, our favorite drummer was the same dude, uh, a guy named Jojo Mayer. Um, he's, he's very, he's like one of the best drummers in the world. He's got a, a DVD that's three hours long just on hand technique, okay? And so me and this other guy were real, I don't know if you'd call it, like, call us geeks or drum nerds. I don't know what the, the kids are saying today. But, um, but anyway, so we'd be on a practice pad, you know, like uh, when we'd be driving or just like hanging out. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, so like on that Jojo Mayer video, you know, he's like doing the one-handed roll. And then he would do it. And then he would look at me and be like, huh? And then I'd take the stick and I'd be like, bop, 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 bop. <laughs> so he was a lot more advanced than I was. Um, but uh, that was, it was inspiring though, you know? When you're surrounded by people who are kind of doing the same thing and they're really good and they're maybe a little bit better than you, that can, you know, make you sad. But it can also be inspiring too. Um, so that's kind of what was going on. And um, one day in the midst of just one of our conversations, I don't even remember how, but there was space in the conversation for me to um, basically share my testimony, um, talk about Jesus. And I, I mean, I said something to the effect of, you know, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I, I talk to him and he talks back. And this guy, he, you know, we're, in, we're actually in the van when this is happening. So he's like, I'm like right here. He's like right here. We're not that far away. And he just goes deadpan, his jaw drops, and he's looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, he was really shocked by what I said. And as the, the conversation continued, and he, he's just kind of asking more questions, he's like, I mean, I think he realized how, um, how big of a reaction that he had. Uh, was and so he was a really nice guy. He didn't want to make me like feel bad or anything. So he just was saying he was explaining. You know um, where I come from in my circles of friends. You know, just like growing up all my life, I've never met anyone ever who has said, "Yeah, man, I I just I love Jesus." Like that's not a thing where I come from. <laughs> so we 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 continued, but. Um, I think that was a that was one of those sort of markers um, in my life to get me thinking a lot about okay we're called witnesses right we're called to witness to Jesus Christ um, and we do live in a postmodern or if you want to say a post postmodern world which um, we're you're trying to communicate something, um, maybe to someone who has a different worldview, 
say um, something like, you know, the predominant culture would say miracles don't happen. There's no such thing as miracles, right? Um, so as Christians, in sharing our faith and going after being a witness to people, our uh, like foundation is based on a miracle. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I've just been fascinated. Like, okay, how, how, what, what, bleh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know how to do this thing, right? Should I go, am I supposed to stand on a street corner and hold up a sign? Um, am I supposed to sell everything that I have? I, I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out, right? How do we live this thing? So how do we witness to people with different worldviews than us, right? Um, does everybody know what I mean when I say worldview, basically? Yeah? Okay. Um, so... We actually have, uh, in Acts chapter 17, an example of the Apostle Paul in this very same situation, in that he's talking to people, he's being a witness uh, to Jesus, to people of a different culture, of a different worldview, that believe um, things that are very opposite um, of what Paul believes. So... I'm really excited. We're going to read this. Um, is there anybody here who's feeling so good? You just want to stand up and just um, and read the scripture? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I think it'll be up here. Yeah, yell it. Thanks, Brady. So, Paul... Um, if you don't know, Paul was a murderer of Christians. He has an encounter with Jesus, changes his life, and he becomes probably, I would say, one of the most, or maybe the most influential Christian of all time, right? And of Western civilization as well, in, in our thought. Um, so after that, Paul goes on these uh, missionary journeys. Basically, he, just, he goes around traveling around, uh, talking about Jesus. Whoever would believe, um, they would start a church. And Paul just went around doing this, so he was a church planter, okay? And so um, Paul now is on his third missionary journey, and he had just, from, he had just come from a place called Thessalonica where um, he was almost killed. Uh, because he was being a witness to Christ, okay? For some people, that was very threatening and had a lot of uh, political and religious... Um, hmm, I can't think of the word. But, um, but so people were actually trying to kill him. So he has to flee to another place, and then again to another place, uh, Athens, what we just read about, okay? And Athens, just really quickly... In Paul's time, Athens was like this glorious center of art and of architecture and of um, ideas, okay? So if you wanted to like go to the place 
for that stuff, this is where you want it to be, okay? And so Paul finds himself here um, hoping not to get killed. And while he's there, he just does what he always does when he comes into a new place. He goes into the Jewish synagogue and he um, talks about Jesus and points to the Old Testament scriptures, which point to Jesus as the Messiah, okay? And then he also goes into um, the marketplace of the Greeks, and he's talking about Jesus there as well. And it says that he runs into a couple philosophers, and they kind of think Paul's an idiot. And uh, they call him a babbler. You know, I've never been called a babbler, but I think that hurt my feelings, but, um, but the, the, the word there is actually seed picker, okay? So you imagine a bird, you know, like, you know, picking up different seeds, okay? And, and really what they meant by that was that to their ears, it sounded like Paul was uh, seed picking. It sounded like he was being very eclectic in what he was teaching. Um, in other words, he would be uh, taking ideas from different places and kind of putting it together into this kind of mishmash um, uh, philosophy. And so they were confused by what he was saying, um, but they were also intrigued. So they take him to the Oropagus, which was uh, the Athenian council at the time, and uh, they wanted to hear what Paul had to say so they could really understand because... Um, if Paul was preaching a foreign god, uh, that would have been illegal, okay? And so this was kind of a big deal, and they wanted to get at what Paul was talking about, so they're like, okay, try it again. <laughs> Help us understand what you're saying. Are you preaching other gods or you're not? Um, and this is uh, what, we just what Brady just read for us, okay? Um, so Paul's famous speech in the Oropagus. And the really interesting thing to me is that Paul doesn't start off by saying, Jesus died for your sins. And the reason he didn't do that is, again, different culture, right? Different beliefs, different worldviews. If Paul would have started off saying something like that, they would have had no grid to understand what that meant, okay? So Paul starts off by saying, as I was walking around, I noticed that um, you have an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. Now, in Athens, it, like it, it, tons of idols, tons of statues to different gods. There was like almost a God for everything, okay? And the sort of idea was that if you please the gods, then they would bless you. If you piss them off, then they would curse you and, you know, strike you down with thunder or lightning or maybe those two are the same things. I'm not sure. But uh, so they wanted to make sure um, that they covered all, the, all their bases. And that's why they had this inscription to an unknown god, basically to save their butts so that just in case they missed somebody, just in case they missed a god, um, they would be covered, okay? So Paul 
he's really smart. <laughs> he finds this as his point of connection, as his point of contact. So he meets them where they're at, in other words, okay? Um, and that's really important because that's, uh, theologians talk about this thing called the incarnation. You probably heard about it, God becoming uh, a human, Jesus Christ, right? So Jesus meets us where we're at by becoming like us. They would call it incarnational ministry. Paul meets them where they're at, okay? So um, this is very important as we're communicating with people. Um, we don't want to speak in a language that people don't understand, right? So um, Paul goes back to the beginning, okay? He's like, okay, let me start. He says, so I notice that you guys are very religious, okay? Tons of statues, and I think he is being respectful here. And he says, and, and I noticed that you had one inscription to an unknown God, and that's what I want to talk to you about, this unknown God. So he finds this point of contact, this almost like this springboard to talk about Jesus. But he's got to start from the beginning. He's got to give context, right? So he says, God who made everything, who made the heavens and the earth and everything in it. He's Lord of heaven and earth. So in other words, he's saying, there's God, the creator, who created the world and us and everything in it. And the creator is not to be confused with creation. Okay? Because what they were doing was they were worshiping creation. They were trying to define who God is. But unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, we don't get to do that. God does that through his self-revelation. In the Old Testament, he revealed himself as Yahweh, I am who I am, wait and see, and he delivered his people from uh, slavery in Egypt. In the New Covenant, he revealed himself fully and finally in the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. So God has revealed himself. And Paul says, God made heaven and earth and us. Now this is already <laughs> in contrast, like we said, uh, to what they believed. They believed in many gods. Paul is talking about one God who made everything. Okay? Um, Paul goes on to say that this one God, he doesn't live in man-made temples. He's bigger than that. Uh, we can't contain him. In fact, I think I'm thinking about Revelation when it talks about another book of Scripture. It talks about, um, you know, the earth and sky tried to flee from the presence of God, but it had nowhere to go. That's how big God is. Um, so he doesn't live in temples um, that we make, and we can't uh, serve him with our hands. Sometimes they would bring offerings of, you know, food and different things with the idea that you were actually, like, giving strength to this God. And Paul's like, God actually doesn't need anything. In fact, God is the author of life. He's the one who gives us life and breath and everything else. And he says, God created human beings. He created us with a purpose to reach out and to find him, to know him. God actually designed us to be in relationship with him. 
to know him and to worship him. The meaning of life is found in worshiping God, and worshiping God is surrendering ourselves to God. It's living for God, okay? That's, that's what we were created for, is what Paul is saying. So we have a purpose. We were created with a purpose, a purpose to know God. And then he talks about Jesus and the resurrection. There was a belief that um, in the end, at the end of history, God would raise all the dead, anyone who had ever died, he would raise their bodies, and that would be the final judgment where God would judge the world with justice and he would erase all evil. And there would be no more sin, no more death, no more suffering, just God and us in perfect peace and perfect harmony. Okay? And Paul says, God raised Jesus from the dead. And that proves to us, that shows us, that tells us that God is going to raise all of the dead in this final great judgment of history. Okay? Where everything is made right, where everything is set right. Okay? So the resurrection of Jesus is actually something that is pointing to something in the future that's going to happen, where God's kingdom is going to be uh, fully established on this earth, and God will have his way. Now, some believe Paul, and others laugh at him. They laugh in his face. And so for me, I'm like, Paul... Why do you keep doing this? Paul is going around, he's traveling, like his whole, he's doing this like for his whole life. He's going around different places, city to city. Um, he's going like across his known world and talking about Jesus. And his message and him is either being embraced, which is on, pretty on the down low, small scale. Uh, and he's mostly being rejected. And again, like we said earlier, um, people wanted to kill him <laughs> in some places. So I'm like, Paul, why? Why do you keep doing this? Like, why don't you just give up? Like, especially by the world standards, like you're not, um, it doesn't seem like you're being very successful in what you're doing. Why do you keep going? And... Paul says this, he says, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. So Paul believed this so much that he was willing to live and to die for Jesus. That this whole thing, this whole, uh, what God has done, what he is doing in Jesus Christ is worth it. And it's true that in Jesus we find freedom, we find peace, forgiveness of sins, taking away of shame, right relationship with God. 
a new life, power to live a new life in Christ, given a new purpose to live for God and not for ourselves. And Paul also talks about Christ as the power of God and the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians, he talks about how, you know, I didn't come to you with these eloquent words and these amazing ideas. Um, I came to you preaching Christ crucified. And he talked about how a lot of people didn't believe. Um, They didn't get it. And Paul says, you know, I want to be a fool for Christ. If that means, if living for Jesus and being a witness to him means that some people think that I'm stupid, I'm an idiot, it's okay. So he's willing to put everything on the line for Jesus. Because he knows in the power of God that's in Christ.